and Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but only trust in Jesus' name. I trust in your name. <laughs> Sing, my hope is built. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing it, Christ alone. Oh! 
third verse again. And when he shall come with trumpet sounds, oh may I be in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. All this we stand before his throne When he shall come When he shall come
his mighty hand. That's why it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Let him lift you up. <laughs> you can't lift yourself up. We can't lift ourselves up. For those in the room that keep trying to lift yourself up right now, I, I feel the mighty hand of God this morning lifting you up as you stop and you turn to him. As you stop in all your wrestling this morning. Can we just spend a couple minutes and just let the mighty hand of God minister to you? your mighty hand pull out of the miry clay as David boasted Lord he said I was in the miry clay and you, you lifted me out you picked me up you plucked me out I had nothing of my own no strength if you haven't found it out yet you have zero strength it's a waste of time Jesus is the strong one. Holy Spirit, we love you, God. We love us.
your heart for a couple minutes.
place, brother. Did you hear that? Unity. I think the biggest problem we have in the body of Christ is that churches can't work together. Is God in discord? Ha! You're very wrong if you think so. Amen. So too many people are bound by their church rather than to God. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we've got prophetic teams today. If any of you need a word from the Lord, there's people here that are ordained and perfectly capable of laying hands on you, giving you a word. It will happen after the service. We're always more than available to give prayer to those that need it, help those that need it, encourage those that need it, edify and build you up. Um, we have a men's breakfast on the 30th of April. If you want to sign up, you need to go sign up in the foyer. Um, we have a prophetic awakening conference coming up. Is anybody excited about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some people need to wake up. So <laughs> that's your first prophetic word right there. So if you're awake, you'll be there. Um, the man of God's name is Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, it's going to start Friday, 7 p.m. Um, Pastor, what's the date that the conference... This Friday coming up, 7 p.m., Saturday 11, is that a.m. or p.m.? A.m. P.m. 11. It just says Saturday 11. 7 o'clock. Amen. And then Sunday we'll have 10 a.m. meeting and then a 7 p.m. meeting. It's going to be power-packed, people. I think if you need to receive something from God, you'll be there. I'm definitely going to be there. Praise God. Um, put your seatbelts on, get your hearts ready because I'm about to give you an offering message. You know, usually they tell you to get your heart ready before you bring it, but right now you've got to get your heart ready to receive. <laughs> Amen. So there's a lot of people that have the inability to draw water out of the well for themselves concerning spiritual things, and that's concerning spiritual things manifesting in what we're living in right now, in this realm. Amen. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. You see, so many people miss out on the opportunity to add something to the ground because the times aren't doing, you know, you're going through bad times. You're making a very big mistake that's going to be a costly mistake. You understand? Because it's in the winter time and before the good times that you throw the seed. You understand? There's a difference between sowing time and harvest time. And that's what God says. My people don't even understand these simple truths. You understand? So the Bible says, I will give seed to the sower. So in other words, God knows that there's sowers on this earth. And if people come and preach heresy that you don't need to sow, they don't know anything about love because love is giving. You understand? Don't take these doctrines from devils. So the biggest thing we need to do and need to start applying in our lives is that for the seed to change, the sower needs to change. Because rain still falls down on the ground. Why do we throw the seed in the ground? Because the rain is what? The anointing and the blessing of the Lord. But we have not plowed our ground, so we've missed out. We have not thrown seed, so we've missed out. We have not removed the rocks from our hearts, so what has happened? We've missed out. Am I preaching to you guys? Amen. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You understand? The biggest necessity that we have today in the body of Christ is deep people. You won't find oil 
at the top or at the surface of the ground. If you want to find pearls, you need to be able to hold your breath and dive deep. You understand? We've got a bunch of baby Christians playing in the shallows. Huh? Amen? So God says we need deep people because deep calleth out to deep. So the big problem is we can't draw the water and we can't get counseled because we don't even know the deep things of our own heart and we don't even know our own destiny and our own calling. Amen? So it's the flow that we need. That's, what's God's, that what, that's what God's telling you right now. Flow. <laughs> it's not the storage that proves your wealth. It's the flow. You'll, get a, you'll find yourself a river in the Middle East called the Jordan. And that river flows into another place called the, salt, the, 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 the Sea of Salt. Amen? That, you know why you can't drink that water? You know why that water's dead? You know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because it's got no flow. There's nothing coming out of it. The biggest power we have as Christians is to release what God has given us. So right now you can take your seatbelts off and you can come forward and release what God's about to do in your life. Amen. Amen. Bless you. I love you all. And write checks to the gathering if you don't have cash. Don't worry. (laughs) You still have an opportunity to start flowing. Amen. Bless you. Yes, they're going to start now. From my mother's womb, he has chosen me. That's a, that's a powerful truth, isn't it? How many of you are glad that on this journey, all through life, he never once leaves you? He's with you all the way to the end. That's why he said that. You know, I will be with you even unto the end because he knew you're going to need him all the way. It's not a part-time job God has. He's a full-time God. I'm glad for that, aren't you? Sometimes we're part-time, but uh, we're going to be full-time. We really are always full-time, but he's always full-time. And, um, well, what an incredible opportunity we have in this moment of history. I may be, I don't know, maybe taking it too far, but I personally believe we're living at the most important time in the history of the earth. I, may, I bet believers have felt that before, but I believe it. I know we're living at the most important time in the history of our nation. I want to thank you guys for um, fasting, for those of you that did, for Taylor Starr and for our sons and daughters. We just wanted to fast this past week. For, um, for our sons, that God would move in their lives, our, our daughters too, and raise them up and use them, and they would become a mighty generation. Um, you know, there are just some things that just won't happen until you fast and pray. How I many of you know that? The Lord said that. This will not come out but by prayer and fasting. So what that does mean, on the other hand, there will be things that will happen because you did fast. You understand that? And I'm looking for those things to break out. And uh, I know that fasting is, you know, at times you go in your closet, it's a secret thing, and you don't let people, especially when you're fasting, you want to dress up, you don't look like you're fasting, so you can be all religious and all that. But, but other times, Paul talked about his fasting. He said, I was in fasting often. And so there's a testimony of fasting and prayer that we need to hear and encourage one another in. Uh, Chris told us about Jeremiah Johnson, who will be here next week, next Friday night, this coming Friday. 
that he felt the Lord lead him to begin a fast from Azusa now. He was at those meetings in Los Angeles all the way to Moravian Falls. And uh, so I'm really believing that God has something really special for these meetings that are coming up. I hope you'll be a part and tell people. And, uh, but I, you know, if you've, if you've, I'm, most of you, if I ask you, I won't have you raise your hand, but just to testimony, fasting has always been a part of my life, my journey. And when I was younger in my twenties, three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, three days, seven days, you know, I just would skip around and, uh, it was just part of my life. And, and then I remembered my first 40 day, I'm just telling you as a testimony, not in any way to brag, but but I didn't really go 40. I broke it up. I went 19 because I was a pastor in Mississippi and we had all these lunch engagements. And, and so anyway, I would fast three days, five days, three days, five days, four. I got to 19 and the Holy Spirit said, enough with lunch, finish it. So I said, okay. So then I went through 21 days, the last. And, and, uh, but, I'm, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm so appreciative. There's grace that comes on you. If you've never fasted and prayed, stuff is waiting to happen if you just happen. Just rise up and trust God. You know, fasting is an act of repentance, humility. Uh, you're fasting what we did this week. Uh, some of us for Taylor, that God would move in his life, healing. And uh, that's a powerful thing, fasting for someone else. But um, I was also praying for my own children and our sons, but also to break the grip of darkness. And then there's for spiritual power. Did you know that fasting was a great work in America seen by our founding fathers? There was a time when presidents would call our nation to prayer and fasting. How many of you know that? And for example, on Thursday, April 30th, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln declared a day of humiliation, repentance, prayer, and fasting. He saw the sins of the nation, and he knew, he knew, our forefathers knew, that God had to judge nations. He doesn't overlook sin, that, what is it, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. And our leaders, our forefathers knew that, and so they called this National Day. I don't know, now obviously everybody in America didn't fast, so we know that. But a large number of Americans would fast and pray. And um, it's an incredible time. We, we really need to capture that again. In fact, I want to do something before I move on. Our sons and daughters, if you are a 33 and below, no, 35 and below, because I don't know how old you are. I want you in on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not 30. You're 20, so we're good. 33, 34, 35 and below, stand up. We want to pray over you as a congregation. We want to bless you. So... Hey, all you children, what are you waiting on? Personal invitation. This is your invitation. If you're 33, 35 and below, stand up. We're going to pray. Listen, there's an army arising. God has a great purpose. Why do you think the devil tried to knock them off? He knocked off many. These survived. And they're on the earth for such a time as this. So just extend your hands out to them. In the back, there's some in the back. If you're close, you want to lay hands on them, do that. There's, oh, yes, Amy. Man. God, let's just pray God will just come over them. But they're representative of a great generation of, of those under that age, okay, all over the earth, all over America. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you watch them by web stream. You're in on this. We pray for this generation. Lord, we declare they are those who have escaped 
And they're on the earth for such a time as this. So we bless them. We pray, God, for a great anointing, a special unction of the Father to rest upon this generation, Lord, of young 20s, early 30s, our teenagers, our children. We lift them up. We pray, God, they would make hell very upset God because the enemy came at them like a flood Lord you raise up a standard in this generation anoint them with power anoint them with unction for healing and miracles signs and wonders God we pray every one of them would walk in a harvest they would reap a harvest that is untold of Lord our ceiling will be their floor they're going to go much further much higher God let your hand be upon them use them Lord let a Fire be upon this generation. God, make the devil pay for trying to wipe them out through every means possible. Use them, God, we pray. We loose, we bless, we declare this generation shall serve the Lord with unhindered, unrestrained, unshackled passion for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Now's the time. It's not two years from now. It's now we declare the passion of God, the anointing of God, the fire of God. This generation, rise up with every calling, every gift, every purpose. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's some unction on that one. Hey, let me read a scripture, and then we're going to do a couple things. Later on, if it works, I'm going to try a PowerPoint later on. But I got some scriptures to go through first. But I want to speak to our youth, our young people. Hey, you were outside with your... You were out? Hey, just because, were you in or out? When we just prayed? Oh, get it. All right, everybody focus on Joshua right now. That's it. You're out. Hey, Howard, what are you, 22, 3, 4? 28? Last time I checked, you were, oh, man. How does that happen? But you're still, Lord. Just because Joshua was outside, give him a double portion. We want to see this young man. He's already radical for you. We want to see him loosed in the nations. We want to see him, God, accomplish great, great exploits. We ask for a triple portion, a blessing of God to rest upon Joshua, that he would bring the gates of hell down. Satan would tremble when Joshua walks in the room because of the anointing and the power of Jesus that's upon him, the humility that's on him, Lord. We bless him. Pray the fire of God in Jesus' name. Amen. That'll teach you not to miss out, man. We're praying stuff. You don't want to miss out. Hey, let me uh, look over, if you would. You turn your Bibles to Romans. I'm going to start off and read one verse, and I'm going to talk about a few things. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. This is where we're going. I'm speaking to our youth, but I'm speaking to all of us because it, it applies to all of us for this time. Whatever, for whatever things were written beforehand, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, say of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now people are going to be looking for hope in this hour. You find hope in the Scriptures. It's Christ in us. We've sung that song. Hope is like an anchor in our soul when the storms come. But we can find through patience, learning, comfort of the scripture we can have hope well if you haven't been paying any attention the war is increasing in our nation you guys been paying any attention it there's a great war i saw some examples this week espn fired kurt shillings now i remember kurt shillings he's the guy that in the was it 2000 i don't remember the world series where he had blood on his socks 
And I know some of you guys are saying, ah, why are you talking about this? I was a coach. My son played baseball, so we watched the World Series that year. He was a Boston Red Sox fan. But I remember Kurt Schilling's had blood, and they kept focusing on the blood. Anybody else watch that? Confess it. Any, some of you remember. Confess up. Some of you just not telling the truth. It's okay. But I remember Kurt Schilling. But anyway, he got fired this week for um, speaking the truth about marriage. How dare he? that men should not be allowed to go in women's bathrooms. I can't believe he did that. But he, got, now you know what he said. He said something like this. He said, somehow those who don't agree, you know, they believe we're bigots and we're hateful, hate mongers, and that we must be killed. And they killed him. They didn't kill him. They killed his career. They fired him. And, uh, but he didn't back down. I saw later on, Kurt Schillings did not back down. And then I saw an example of a black pastor in uh, Georgia. He's a renowned public health official with the Georgia Public Health Department. He's a part-time preacher, you know, like many are, part-time preaching, and he worked for the health department. And he has the gall to preach on marriage, that marriage is between a man and a woman. How dare him? And he preached on, you know, that God created the heavens and the earth and that homosexuality is sin. And so they fired him from his job uh, this week. God bless that pastor. Encourage that pastor. Man, my heart goes out to these guys. The attorney, his attorney said, if the government is allowed to fire someone over what he says in his sermons, they will, can come after any of us for our beliefs on anything. I'm going to show you a poster. I'm going to wait later in the PowerPoint. But it's a real serious time. And they knew this back in World War II. And I'm going to show you a poster later of a picture where they, uh, Roosevelt, it was during his State of the Union address, is when it was, that he actually, uh, he said that we've got to beware of Nazism and the enemy against the Bible, and it shows a sword sticking through a Bible. They, they, they trumpeted that. There was a time in America they knew the enemy was outside trying to get in, and they wanted to destroy Christianity. That enemy's not outside anymore. It's in the gates. It's in our bedrooms, our living rooms. It's all over. So this is an incredible, incredible time. So I want to speak to our youth, but all of us, because there's never been a time like this. Now, Matthew chapter 5. Go with me. This is where we're going this morning. But there's an anointing that's coming that we get to walk in. Everybody that comes to the gathering, if you leave the same, we have failed. We want an anointing. We want you to have fire. We want you to have a torch you take with you. Some will just come for one day and others will come for a season of time. Man, we're here to see this whole nation erupt with the glory of God and with a great awakening. That's our prayer, our heart cry. And we're not backing off because our God lives, reigns, and rules. And one more time, he's going to demonstrate to America that there's a God in the church of the house of God in our nation. We're not serving a dead Jesus. He's alive. He's living. He's all-powerful. And the devil is on the run. Yeah, I'm just going to do a little series. Is that okay? Because there's fire in my bones. Now, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. Now, in other words, if we cease being salt, we're in trouble. What does it say? What did Jesus say? You're good for nothing but to be thrown out and be trampled underfoot by men. How could Jesus say something like that? Because he meant it. Then he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are not called to go run and hide, in other words. 
We're, go, we're called to go let our light so shine. And he goes on, he says, nor do they light a lamp, verse 15, and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. That's your sphere of influence. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, one of the ways the Father gets glory is when his people, even in the midst of gross darkness, rise up, right? And they begin to shine. They let their little light shine. And the light is brighter in the darkest of the times. So basically, listen to this. If we run and hide in the face of evil and gross darkness, if we cease from being salt in the earth, we are in trouble with God. How many of you see that? You're in trouble. Do you think you would be in trouble if he throws you out to be trampled underfoot by men? That's, that's trouble with God. Now, here's the next thing. If we stand up in this hour and you become light in the midst of darkness, such as Kurt Schillings did, we're in trouble with men. So we're going to be in trouble anyway. Trouble is coming. Jesus said, did I not tell you? In this life you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. You're going to be called a hater, a bigot. It all comes down to who you're going to fear the most. You fear being in trouble with God or you fear being in trouble with man? Now, we're going to get into this later on, but it is amazing over in the the revelation to the church, the message of the church of Thyatira, you study this out. We'll get to it later. Don't have time today, but, but there was this thing that existed like these unions. They, they weren't called unions, but they're kind of like unions today. But anyway, they remember the prophetess Jezebel who caused my servants to commit adultery, sexual immorality, remember, and to eat things offered to idols. And in that day, what they would do, if you had a business, you had to be a part of that union, you had to join in in the sacrifices of the day and worship the demons that were worshiped and the sexual orgies and perversion that was going on. You had to join in on that or you might lose your job. You might lose your financial stability. What's happening in America today? Same exact thing. And many are bowing to Baal. This is the hour. If Baal is God, follow him with all your heart. If God is God, follow him. There'll be no middle ground in this hour, and that's what the Lord's doing. He's coming to divide the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares. Those that are going to follow, they fear man and those who fear God. You fear God, you won't fear man at all. Now, let's go back to where we were last week, and I'm just going to pick up from there. It's, this is like part two. This is a lot of fun. I can't believe I get to be a part two. But it's right in there. I didn't get to cover it last week. All right, let's go back. Leviticus chapter 9. Remember, this is really good. If you didn't get to hear that message, hear it. Oh, by the way, you can go to that praiser. You remember? Go to, you can get that app, praiser, P-R-A-Z-O-R dot com. Download it on your iPhone. It's got all this music, worship, teaching, and it goes all over the earth. It's really cool. Of course, all of them do. But anyway, you, go, you can get us on that app. You go to talk, prophecy, and then you'll see the gathering, and you'll see our downloads. It's pretty cool. I think uh, there's a few others now. We were the only one on the prophecy section. Now I think Jim Baker's on there and a couple others. But I think this is cool what God is doing. But anyway, you need to listen to last week. It was important. Very important word. Now look at what happened. Here's the brief summary. Verse 24, chapter 9. Well, the, the glory of the Lord, verse 23, appeared to all the people. 
they offered their sacrifice. And the fire came out from before the Lord, consumed the burnt offering. When all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, put fire in it, put incense in it, on it, and offered profane or strange fire before the Lord. Now remember, another fire came out and what happened? It didn't consume the sacrifice. Guess who, would, guess who became the sacrifice? Nadab and Abihu. And the fire of God came out and destroyed them, wiped them out. And they died before the Lord. Who killed them? God killed them. And Moses said to, the, to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near to me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. He didn't have anything else to say. When God speaks, what are you going to do? When the fire of God shows up, you're going to have some defense? No defense. Then the Lord spoke, verse 8, to Aaron. Do not drink wine. He's given instruction to the priest as they're going into the tabernacle. Don't drink wine, you your sons, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. And it shall be a statue forever. Verse 10, that you may distinguish between the holy and the unholy and between the unclean and the clean. And that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So we got to teach it. We got to know what God's Word says. Someone sent me an article on biblical illiteracy and how that this may be the greatest threat in America today. Because if we do not know what God says about a subject, you know, if we don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And everyone is, most people are falling for everything. And uh, Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And, but the prophet encouraged us to pursue the knowledge of God. Jesus said in Matthew 22, he said, you're mistaken, you're deceived, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. We want to walk in the power of God. How many of you want to? You will never walk in the raw power of God till you walk in the word of God. The scriptures give you the foundation. He's looking for those that worship him in spirit and in truth and both. We need them both. The kingdom of God does not come in word only, but power. We need both. Now, regarding biblical illiteracy, this is a barn of research. It, it gets worse at first. It's, I don't know, but here's some points. I was looking in this article. He said, fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. Sixty percent of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. We should have taken a test this morning first. And we just put it in a computer and download it. The percentage of people here this morning, no. But listen to this. According to 82% of Americans, American, they believe that God helps those who help themselves. They believe it's a Bible verse. Now, the church believes 1% less. 81% of those who call themselves Christians believe God helps those who help themselves. How many of you believe that? Let me tell you, Joshua said it up here earlier. You ain't got anything to help yourself. That's the gospel. You can't help yourself. Now, I understand, yeah, we, read the, we take the initiative in pursuing those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're in a mess that only God can fix. That's what the cross, the cross is not another work added onto our works. It is a work in its own. 
It is the greatest work in all of history. You, we, have, we can't help ourselves out of this mess. God sent his son. He delivers us out of this miry clay that you spoke about. And now here's something. One poll indicated that at least 12% of adults in America, 1 in 10, believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Mr. and Mrs. Ark, I guess, you know. Another survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over, over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were married. You know, yeah, husband and wife. And then a considerable number of respondents believed the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. And I can understand them thinking that. Jesus preached the first one. Perhaps he said what is more interesting is in the church. Now, I'm going to read some of what he said because it's better than I can say it. He said, for many, especially modern-day charismatics, they regard some inner light or, quote, being led by the Spirit as having a good feeling about it instead of giving priority to the Spirit's testimony of the written Word. He said, there's a great ignorance in the, these churches today and, uh, because they take the Scripture out of context. And we forget, Acts 20, 30 says, Even some men from your own will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following after themselves. He says, Often we put more stock in ministers who have had visions, visitations of some spectacular experience more than the written Word of God. Now he says, and I do too, we, we agree, we believe in these spectacular visions and dreams. We're those people, we believe that. But the Scriptures forever will be the standard above any experience, any minister, no matter how fancy or fantastic his word may be. And he says the greatest tragedy is concerning salvation. Americans, they don't know. He says of 79% of evangelicals who say they have faith, only 36% believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. Only 36 Somebody sent me an email this week. It, it was called Coexist. You've seen that? And it had all the religions listed, you know, what, 20, 30 of them. And then Christianity is one of them. It is not one of them. Now, the religion of that, you know, may be defined, improperly defined as Christianity, but it's not. It may be one of the religions. But religion is what man does to get to God. Christianity is what God did to get to us. He sent his son. He took the initiative. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. And then he goes on, he says, in mainline denominational churches, that percentage drops even more, as only 14% Jesus is the only way. Only 14% believe Jesus is the only way. Why, 83% believe all religions lead you there. Listen, there's only one way. They may call us a hater. We're not haters. For God so loved the world. There's not two ways. There's one way. His name is Jesus. No man comes to the Father but by me. We reach out to these other religions. You can be saved. Listen, our Savior lived and died and rose from the dead. If you check, a lot of your saviors died and stayed in the grave. Ours is alive and we don't mean that disrespectfully. We're just telling you the truth. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. He goes on, he says, 22% um, of mainline denominational churches believe the Bible. Only 22% believe it's inspired. While 28% believe it's a book written, only written by men. Would you guys know how to answer 
if uh, someone said, how, listen, the Bible was written by men. How do I know it's real? How can you, how, how do you know it's the, the word of God? Would you know what to tell them? You would. That's why you're our youth pastor. But you better know. Listen, you guys watching by Webstream, you better know. Here's two scriptures. 2 Peter 1, verse 20, 21. Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The unction came on them, the anointing, and they wrote. Here's another. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 13, remember these verses. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Say worse and worse. That means that you think he meant what he said. Deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things you've learned. Be assured of them knowing where, whom you learned them. And that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. And then he says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. What does that mean? Inspiration of God means God breathed. The Holy Spirit breathed over the men, and they wrote. They were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. And that's why Paul told Timothy, Timothy, people are going to want to have their ears tickled. Don't you become an ear tickler. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Exhort, rebuke, and all of these things. He goes on, he gives him the command. That's why I have to preach the word. I have a command from heaven. No men ordained me. Now, they may have put their hands on me and said, we recognize that. Same way with you. Men don't ordain you. God ordained you. You're going to stand before a holy God one day. You're going to give an account for your stewardship, the gift that God gave you. What did you do with it? Now, this is wow. This is perhaps the most disturbing trend is among the 18 to 35-year-old group of religious Americans Many of them have accepted a form of Christianity that is a watered-down hybrid version of Eastern philosophy and biblical knowledge. Just a mixture. Now, here's how he ends it. I'm just going to read word for word. He said, this generation must get serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy or a frightening number of next-generation Americans, Christians included, will go on thinking that the Bible is really not the inspired Word of God, Jesus is not the only way to salvation, and Noah and his wife, Joan of Arc, will live happily ever after. And old Sodom and Gomorrah got married. Oh, man. You guys have got a big challenge. We're going to be, I'm not leaving anywhere yet. I got a work to do, man. I got dreams and visions. But I'm going to be passing my mantle on. We're going to pass them on, man. You got, listen, you think it's tough now. You guys, that's why you got to walk in great power. Great, you got to be like George Whitfield. Don't sit still and don't leave the devil alone. If he comes at you one way, come at him. Send shockwaves into hell. That's, there's going to be a church on the earth that'll do that, a church in America in this hour. I recently ran across a, a list of philosophies that I, I wanted to share with you. So here's one. I, this is kind of the gist of the message. And so I'm going to, in a little bit, click into this PowerPoint so you guys can get that ready. But, but you know, we're living in the epic, time, epic battles of the last days, like Rick wrote that book, aren't we? These are, these are epic battles. People really believe this garbage. They believe women, men, all this stuff, and marriage, 
or they're being forced to, whatever. There's some force, some deluding influence. And those that stand for truth are going to be seen as great threats. They're going to want to kill you. They're going to want to snuff you out. Well, it just depends on who you fear. You fear being snuffed out by men or snuffed out by God? Now, it doesn't say snuffed out. Jesus used the word thrown out. Thrown underfoot of men would be trampled underfoot. Good for nothing. I don't want the Lord looking at me and saying, you're good for nothing. People say, well, you don't talk that way anymore. It's in the Gospels. It's the Gospel we're commissioned to preach. God help those who water it down. I tell you, there's a fear of God coming back to the land. I would to God that we would tremble again at His Word. Instead of just take it or leave it. Well, I can take that or leave it. When you hear it, you're responsible for it. You'll give an account for what the Holy Spirit says to you this morning. You'll stand before him and he'll bring to your memory this day. And people that are watching, right now the Holy Spirit's tugging on many people. If you resist him, there'll be a day he'll not strive with you any longer. And then he'll remind you on that day of judgment that I went to great effort to bring you to the knowledge of salvation. I died for you. I sent my son and I kept convicting and convincing and drawing. I was the one that created those circumstances in your life so you would look up to me and be saved, but you, you wouldn't do it. And he's going to say to many, depart from me. Now, that's the church crowd. The other crowd, I don't even know if there'll be a depart. They'll already be departed. It's different levels of that judgment. But here, way, there's a list of philosophies. And uh, so here, there's a Bible view versus the worldview. You guys got to know what you believe. You got to know what you believe in this hour to be ready to give a reason for the hope. You say you have hope. Your hope's going to be tested. You better know. You better be standing on the knowledge of the Scriptures, the Word of God, and have a relationship with Jesus. Then there's the absolute versus relativism, eternal versus passing away, history versus anti-history, supernatural versus the natural, and ideal, idealistic versus pragmatic. I want to come back. Now, flick on that, if we can do it, the PowerPoint. We tried to get it hooked up up here, but I couldn't get it figured out, so we got it here. Just as good, biblical illiteracy. My people are what? Whose who's people? God's people are destroyed, destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then he says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Now, this is that picture I told you about earlier. President Roosevelt, in his State of the Union address, 1942, was warning Americans that there is an enemy that wants to destroy you and your faith. And so they had this picture of Nazism with the sword through the Bible. There was a war going on in the earth. Hitler's desire was to create this superhuman race, right? And, and he wanted, of course, he had a hatred for the Jews, but there was a greater war to destroy. It's always been the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist wants to destroy, but he also wants to wipe out faith, destroy the Bible. What's been happening in America? It's been happening. When we threw the Bible 
out of our public schools. And Christians, much of the church stood by and said, well, we don't want to get involved there. We don't want to be a fanatic there. And then they took prayer out. Well, we, I remember one day, I, I was in my 20s living in New Orleans in seminary. And it was, they were talking about having abortion protests. And I don't know how I got down in the French Quarter. I, I don't know. This is a weird story. But I, I, had to, I needed to hitchhike back to the seminary. I had a car. What was I doing? I don't even know. But anyway, I got in this car with this couple from New England. I remember that. And we passed by an abortion protest. And, and I, I said, God bless them, Lord. Thank you. And, and they looked at me and said, well, I hope you would never be involved in one of them radical abortion protests, would you? Yes, I would. I mean, it was like, you know, this pressure. You young man, I hope you're not that kind of, you know, religious fanatic that you'd join them. I remember, I don't know how strong a stand I took because I was a hitchhiker. You know, I wanted to get back home. But I just remember thinking, these guys from New England, what's wrong with them? Boy, a lot's changed. That's been a long time ago. Anyway, let's, let's get off of that picture. I don't really like that. All right. So there's the Bible view versus the worldview. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof leads to death, right? Okay, there's a way that sounds right, looks right, seems right, feels right. There's a way everybody's doing it. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. In fact, there's a better chance if everybody's doing it, it's wrong. Because the majority, Jesus said, narrow is the way. And there are few that find it. We want to open it much wider. That gate is narrow. Jesus is the way. If any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's a scripture, Romans 3, 4, says, let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't mean every man's a liar, but if he disagrees with God, he is a liar. It's what God said is true. His words sanctify them by truth. Okay. Here's a good scripture. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You turn that around, wouldn't you think? Also, what is highly esteemed among God, in God, is an abomination in the sight of man. And that is going to grow. It's going to, that, that dividing line. We're either going to be politically correct or biblically correct. That's why I appreciate one particular candidate. I don't know, he's, he's not been biblically correct, but he's not politically correct. At least, I give him that credit. And you can vote for who you want to, but I'm just telling you, I'm glad somebody at least is standing up saying this is political correctness is garbage. Because most Americans believe it. It's what God said. I'm going to, I'm telling you, it's going to get serious. You guys ready? It's going to get serious. It's going to get serious. You better make up your mind now who you will serve. You better already have it made up. You either have a worldview or a biblical view. You'll either be considered correct in the eyes of God, incorrect in the eyes of man, or vice versa, right? Who would you rather be correct in the eyes of? God. Then get ready to be labeled incorrect by the world. Bring it on. Let me give you some examples. 
worldview versus biblical view, just to refresh our memory and just to speak it in the heavenlies. Number one is this transgender thing. Go ahead, there goes slide. The woman shall not wear. This is an interesting verse. You ever seen this? Some of you old timers have. Some of you new timers haven't. Need to know about it. Look at this. The woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. That's what he said. It's what God said. Here's another verse. Genesis 127, God created both male and female. He created them. That's pretty interesting. He created male and female. Just the way it is. So we have to cover that. Isn't that sad the church has to cover this but if we don't who will the governor tries he gets splattered what are they doing he won't join into their little sexual perverted party so they're just going to cancel the nba is going to cancel the all-star game good god cancel the nba that's the way i feel they're an anti-christ group the nba has said we don't believe men should be separate from girl, little girls' bathrooms. We want them in there molesting them. That's what the NBA has said. Might as well say it, right? Just tell the truth. And uh, there are a bunch of other groups. Belks, I think. I don't know. I better be quiet. I can't remember the list. I know Wells Fargo was one of them. Target. I am, I am not going to go in another Target store until they change that policy. They're going to have unisex bathrooms, men and women. Target is a child molesting story, obviously. That's what they're promoting. I would encourage you, if you as a believer go in a Target, you need to answer to God. Yeah, prayer walk around Target. God, get them. Turn them. I know I'm treading. So what? Tread. One day Target will stand before a holy God. They might snuff me out. They're not going to snuff God out. His word will endure forever. Flesh withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. God, shake target. Shake them to the core, God. Show them there's a God in America. And he's righteous and he's real and he's loving, but he's holy. That's where the church needs to wake up. The church forgot he's holy. They said he's a wimpy God. He accepts anything. He doesn't accept anything. It's why his son died. He paid the ultimate price. Well, marriage. Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and they shall be joined to his wife. Father and mother, man and wife. We were talking with our guys the other day. We went to a baseball game, didn't we? That was pretty cool. We just had a little group. And... Uh, we went into the 13th inning, 12th inning, what it 13th? It was tied, so we left. They went to the 17th inning. We should do that again, though. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, man, let's go back. I like the, craw I like the name Crawdads. You know, being from Louisiana, I think it's pretty cool. I don't know how they got that name up here. But anyway, we're talking about other issues, money. Okay, the world says, here's what the world says. Get all you can and can all you get. God says, you can get, but give it away. You know, blessed is those who give. It's just the opposite. And then sex before marriage. I know it's old-fashioned. 
It's not old-fashioned, it's God. I, this was way back. Heath, I, I was preaching in a youth retreat in North Carolina, way back when I was just a young buck, you know, filled with fire. And I said, it's wrong to have sex before marriage. And their leader came up after and said, you, they've never heard that before. What do you mean? You're their leader. What are you talking about? They don't hear that from the pulpit? What, do you, what is this? Oh, Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Period. Okay, here's, what is sex all about? You ready? It's a gift from God for marriage in the confines of marriage. For procreation, you get to have babies. Be fruitful and multiply. It's a picture of Christ in the church, right? That intimacy of the church. It's for enjoyment. It's also a picture of the family. One more thing we got to cover, then I'll move on to the rest of these things quickly, these points. But I, a couple weeks ago, we talked about abortion, and I felt like I left the door open. We really didn't tackle it correctly, so I want to do it again. Abortion is sin. It is sin. You have murdered your child. There is no other ifs, ands, and buts about it. But the problem is many, many, many women in America listen to the worldview, the Supreme Court, and they did that, and now they're carrying around guilt. They're carrying around shame. They're carrying around a scar. You don't have to carry around the scar anymore. You can be free. You can be healed. God forgives all sin. Now, here's the other part, and we, we touched on this that Sunday. But men are just as guilty. There's some men in here, you paid for an abortion for convenience sake. You paid for it. You encouraged it. You stood beside it. You wanted it to happen so you could get off the hook. You're not off the hook. But the blood of Jesus gets you off the hook cleanses you, forgives you. And I just felt we needed to go there one more time and maybe someone watching. But people, I'm, you don't need to carry that shame around any longer. It is sin. Just acknowledge it. Confess it. That's what confession means. It means you see it and you say, I agree with you, God, about it. You don't offer an alternative argument. You don't say, God, but everybody's doing it. You just say, okay, God, I killed my child. Forgive me, Lord. I I confess it, and he'll remove that shame, but also men that paid for it. So I'm going to ask you, if you had an abortion and you still have a, a measure of shame or something, you've never really gotten forgiveness, as, and a man, and you paid for an abortion, you never confessed that sin, or you encouraged it, we're going to ask God to break that shame off of you, that yoke off of you, so you can be loosed. So I want you just to stand where you are. You had an abortion, you want to be totally forgiven, or you encouraged an abortion. All right, good, good. Thank you for being honest. Anybody else? I know there are others. I know there are others. Don't be afraid. You're going to get free. Don't go stand back up. It's going to be a great time. You're going to walk out free. You don't have to carry the yoke anymore. Yeah. Anybody else? Listen, this is good. So many Americans have had to deal with this. We want people free. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all unrighteousness. Anybody else? Okay. I'm telling you, there are others. I know there are others. Okay. 
Well, Lord, in the name of Jesus, just, just say, God, till you're in your own heart, say, God, I confess this sin for either having an abortion or encouraging an abortion. And I ask you to forgive me. It is sin, but I thank you for Jesus and that he died for me. And I claim that forgiveness as I turn to you. I change my mind about it, and I thank you for the forgiveness that you bring through the blood. Your son, his blood was shed for me. Thank you for forgiveness and the release. And we pray for all those watching. Release, forgiveness, peace, cleansing. We break the shame off of a generation of women and men who listened to the lies of the Supreme Court and the devil, and they bought into that, and they now they're held captive. We declare you the captives are free in the name of Jesus. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free in Jesus' name. Amen. You're free. You're free. You're free. You can be seated. There's a lot of scriptures up here. Let's look up here on our deal. Go to next, Psalm 139. For you were formed. How do we know abortion is sin? Because people are going to ask you, how do you know? Did they just tell you at church? No. Let me show you. Look, Psalm 139. For you were formed. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they're all written when you were in the mother's womb. All the days fashioned for me, yet as when there were none of them. Go ahead, change. Before Here's John, uh, Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I ordained you to be a prophet in the, to the nations. Think about this. How many people were killed that had a call? On, they all had a call on their life. Well, God has to raise this generation up to make the devil pay. I'm telling you, go after the harvest. Go after God like man, nothing holding you back. Next verse. Job, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? And then the next scripture. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Pretty plain, isn't it? So here you got here some, these are scriptures, okay? You can stand on. For he, Luke, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That's good. Next scripture. Now Mary rose in those days and went into the hill and, and entered the house of Zacharias. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is that granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And, but the baby leaped for joy. Everybody know. And then is there one more? No, there's not. We'll go to the next thing. But let me read a few more scriptures. I tell you, we'll just press on. Aren't you glad God gives forgiveness? Man, we need to search for these people. They're all in America carrying around this, this shame. And man, just confess it. Get healed. Get free. God's got a great destiny for you. And uh, so we don't want to hope. We're not, we're not condemning them. Give the babies. So that's good advice for moms that had abortion? So do that. Well, we receive that. 
You'll know them one day. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Give your baby a name. Ask the Lord. And just say, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And you get to meet them one day. Where else did they go? They went to heaven. This is great. There's going to be a great, even greater cloud of witnesses up there that never got to see life. They'll welcome us in. They'll say, Mom, hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm here. I've been with Jesus all the time. I don't know. It's going to be glorious. God has a way of turning things around. But we're not going to back off of it. And I know the church over the years has gotten soft. We're not soft. God's word had never gotten soft. Okay, absolute versus relativism. I told you I'd go fast. Relative truth is based upon a person's view, the situation, the time. It depends. It's like floating truth. Absolute truth is truth regardless of anybody else's opinion, regardless of the time, regardless of the place. Judges. This is how the book of Judges ends. It says that there, the king in those days... There was no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's where we're living. It's man playing God. Absolute truth demands accountability. Relative truth, there's no accountability. That's why they pump it to our children. Hey, you know, truth can change. There's some people in our government believe the Constitution is like a floating document. You ever heard that? It's like, well, you can just interpret it any way you want to. It's not a floating document. It's written in, I've seen it. Copies of it, it's real. It's like the Bible. If you can convince people the Constitution's floating, you can believe in the Bible. It's not. It's real. Okay, you guys with me? Say, I'm with you. All right, here's another thing. Eternal versus passing away. Real quick. The world wants you to think you're going to be around here forever. You won't. There's coming a day, an appointment. Everybody in this room, everybody watching, you're going to show up on that appointment day. You know what that is? Your appointment to die. So we know life is going to, I'm going to cover this more in a, in a bit in the other one. But there's the supernatural. Which one are we? Eternal. No, this is it. Eternal versus passing away. Listen, we're, we're here. We're going to last forever. How many of you know that? We may have an appointment with death but, man, we're just getting cranked up. You're going to spend a whole lot more time in the next life than you are in this life. A whole lot more. Here's a slide. Another scripture. Look at this. First John. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of flesh, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is what? It's all going to pass away. It's all going to pass away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Say forever. Okay, the next slide. History versus anti-history. Winston Churchill said, The farther backward, backward you look, the farther for, forward you are likely to see. What is, what's been happening over in America over the last many years? Rewriting history. Either remove it or rewrite it. Well, those who fail to learn the lessons of history are going to do what? They're going to repeat history. And that's what's happening. One more slide. Actually, there's a couple more, but look at this verse. If, if America forgets its history as believers, we can't forget ours. Look at this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers' history 
were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and on the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. They all ate the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. Okay, so why are you telling me about my fathers? And that God wasn't pleased with them. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, next phrase. But now these things became our what? Examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things like they lusted. Do not become idolaters as, as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them did. And they were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain. Serpents means demons. Okay? Powers of darkness. Nor complain, as some of them also complained. Why do you have to put that in there? Can't I get away with a little complaining? What is this? What kind of standard is this? It's like you said, one you can't meet unless you run to the cross. And you get grace. You repent. You say, God, forgive me. I'm running. I'm depending on Calvary. And then he changes you from within. And you were, they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happen to them in history as an example for you today. They were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. So there's a move to wipe out history, but we have a history. Next slide. Natural versus super, supernatural versus natural. Say, I'm a supernatural being. The world, we're living in a natural world. You're not confined. I mean, there's some things, the law of gravity. Yeah, if you go jump off a cliff, you're going to fall. You're going to hit the bottom. It's lights out. Don't tempt the Lord. Say, God, you're a supernatural God. I'm going to jump off. If you're real, catch me. Yeah. Don't tempt the Lord your God. That's dumb. You don't do that. You don't stand out in the middle of a road. Get out of the road. The truck's coming. But we're supernatural beings. We have a body. We are, are we, this is our body. We have a soul. But we're spirit. We're spirit. We're made in the image of God. We're, we're chosen and called to live in a supernatural realm. We got to somehow get in that in our spirit. I'm a supernatural being. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to live forever. I know that, but I'm telling you right now, the supernatural belongs to me. It's part of my inheritance. And then the next thing, idealistic versus pragmatic. Anybody know what that means? Here's a short definition. Idealistic, do what's right. Pragmatic, do what works. Well, that's what the world is, right? If it works, do it. Wrong. Do what God said, whether you see the evidence of it working or not. Just do what God said. It's right. It's right. Do what's right. We need a generation of people that will just say, listen, I know this may not work, but God said it. I believe it. I'm not moving off of it. Whether it works or not, I believe what God said. It's right. Thus saith God. Everybody's committing adultery in your class. Wait a minute. I'm not because it's right not to do it. The marriage bed, God is going to judge and are adulterous, but the marriage bed is honorable. Here's a scripture. I'm getting close to the end. You guys with me? Thanks for bearing with me. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil. Do we realize how serious this is? Do we realize a whole generation has been carried off as spoil? A whole generation. There's a few kids left. 
I know comparing to how many kids there are out there. That's why these guys are going for it. They've been carried off as spoil. For make, make yourselves captive by this so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense. That's what this gender, transgender thing, it's plain nonsense. It's nonsense. Don't be carried off. Following human tradition, man's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. Do I have another one? Yeah, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that by them, by our steadfast and patience, endurance and encouragement drawn from the scriptures, we might hold fast to and cherish hope. Amen. We made it. But we got to be ready to give a reason for the hope within us. Because the world's going to quickly come knocking on our doors. I know there have been all kinds of prophecies, some spoken from up here recently. You know, and I, I wanted to hear some of these prophecies because I just believe people hear from God. I want to hear the whole story. When it all boils down to it, I don't give a rip what anybody said. I give a rip what God said. And God said, righteousness exalts a nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. And he's not going to be made into a liar. His word is true, so I know what's coming. A great shaking. We've been getting ready, right? Everything he loves, he shakes the church. The church is going to be shaken. The church, the church structure, right? So we better stand with the Lord on our own faith, relationship, gather small groups. I have a new zeal for that. We got to get back to emphasizing small groups. If they ever close the doors, you guys can sneak around and meet in small groups. I don't know if all that's... Maybe... Maybe it is all. Everything's going to change just like that. I just think it's going to be a little shaking involved in it. I'm not giving up on the great awakening. It just might not quite happen exactly as we would like it to happen. That makes sense. I'd rather be, okay, all our enemies, their make-believe. It's all a farce. It's no good, man. Let's all enjoy and worship and just celebrate and dance and there's going to be some of that. There's going to be a lot of that. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. But at the same time, God's going to shake America to the core. If he's holy. If he's a joke, he won't. But he's holy. He's holy. And the church has lost the trembling. We're going to get it back. It's coming back. The fear of God is coming back. Repentance is the way. You repent, we return. And right now there's a great call out to our nation. And many are turning back, aren't they? You got a word in a minute? Come on, give it, give it. Come on up. I just wanted to say that as we talk about repenting, this was so key to me when David called forth the repentance for abortion that thankfully I did never have an abortion, but... I was a category that wasn't specifically listed, so it 
I went back and forth, do I stand up? Or, and I think there may be other people with this, because he said a man who encouraged abortion, and obviously I'm not that, but I was a school teacher, and I had a young student. He was on like her third pregnancy. And at that point, I didn't know what I didn't know, because as we're saying today, you have to know, or these young people become spoils. And thankfully, I had a sister who said, oh no, there's a true being from the moment of conception. And so I have fought against it, but I just encourage all you to, I mean, this was, I think, like 43 years ago, but God brought it back to me to be, because repentance is important, yes. and no stone is unturned. And it was like, oh, holy God, I can't stand before you without standing now. And search hearts, because it might not even be this place, but it's just a huge thing that leave no stone unturned. Our God is an awesome God, and he is a forgiving God. So don't, it's a scary thing, but it's scarier to not. So thank you. Thank you, Beth. Good word. I bet that spoke to others. If you're here without Jesus, make sure you don't leave without Jesus. If you're watching on one of the media outlets, man, this is the day. This is the hour. It, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, just call on his name. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of the living God. And just say, let's just say it out loud. Somebody's praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of the living God. That you lived a sinless life. And then you died on the cross for my sin. And I come to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent. I change my mind. I give my life to you. I believe that Jesus died and he rose from the dead. And I confess you now as my Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. For the rest of my life I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.